do you mind if I stand here? Because I'm nearer to you. But let me just explain the cowboy boots. I ministered a lot in America, and uh, a brother in America bought me cowboy boots, and I really liked them. And they had all kind of patterns up the side, and, but they were so comfortable. At the beginning, I started to wear them in place I went, but I used to get strange looks from people, and my wife kept saying to me, you're not going to wear those boots again, are you? And uh, she praised God the day that my boots went to glory because I wore the heels out. It's really good to be with you this morning and uh, to look at your faces. I want to ask you to do something. I've been ministering now since I was 17, preaching since I was 17. At the end of the service, you'll probably say, well, you should be better at it. But the fact is, I've been preaching for that long, and I still get nervous. I don't know where my brother gets nervous. I still feel nervous. And this morning, I felt real nervous because first time I've been here. So I want you to do something for me. It's quite difficult for Christians to do this. I want you to smile a little bit while I'm preaching. Okay, difficult for Christians to smile. I was at a place last week, I'm not going to tell you where it was, and, and uh, you know, everybody looks so serious. In fact, I wasn't so sure that some of them hadn't died during the service because they looked so serious. So it would be nice if you could smile, because I just want to share the Word of God with you. Before I actually get into what I prepared, by the way, if I don't open my Bible this morning, that's because I've had cataracts removed recently. I've now got 20-20 vision, and I only wear glasses to see. Um, but I can't read my Bible at the moment because it's ever such small print, so I've typed everything out big. Uh, and pretty well on here, I've got all my Bible verses, but I don't know how many we're going to get through. But you know, it's, it's wonderful to be amongst the people of God. And while I was sitting over there and joining in the worship, there was a chorus that we sang during a time of, of silence, I think it was, um, where we sang about, I love you, Lord. And you know, God kept saying to me, can you tell them that I love them? We love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. And you know, he knows the things that we go through. And some people in this room probably are going through quite difficult circumstances. You may not. You may be totally rejoicing in God, but you may also be going through difficult circumstances. Now, I'm going to throw something out which you can do what you like with. It may not be for you. It may not be for anybody. But while I was sitting there, the Lord said, I want you to mention that there's somebody here that's really frustrated with their life. You know, they had a vision of how it was going to pan out. And so far, it hasn't panned out the way that you expected it to pan out. And I felt God say to me, just tell them that I'm in control, that it's going to work out, that I sometimes arrive as it appears on the last bus or on the last train. And much of my testimony, and I got saved when I was seven, so you can now work out how old I am, much of my testimony is based upon the fact that God spoke to me at various times, but it took a while for some of those things to come into play. Now, I've got some things written down here. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 
2, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Folks, this morning, we as a people are blessed. I'm part of this church while I'm here because there is actually only one church and I've travelled all over the world and I've travelled in many different places but you know wherever I go I feel at home. It doesn't actually matter uh, the way that they do their services. This morning in the earlier service was different to this service. But you know those folk that were there this morning, I don't know if any of you were there, uh, no at least three were, but, you know, they're as precious to God as we are. And all over the world are God's people and we're precious to him. And he says certain things regarding us. Things that he wants us to know. Things that he wants us to be sure of. In the earlier service, I spoke about the fact that Jesus said, the fact that he was going to heaven, and that he was going to prepare a place for us. Now, you're all much younger than some of the people this morning, and so you might be thinking, well, my place is a long way off. None of us know. In the last few months, I have lost five or six good friends. Yet another funeral on Friday, and then I've got another one coming. None of us know how long we've got left, but God has spoken certain things into our lives. And one of the things that he's promised us is that he's gone before us to prepare the way and he has a place waiting for us in heaven. Now we sing about it and sometimes we preach about it. Actually, not too many people want to go there. Is that true? You find that, you know, you think, oh, I'm not ready yet. Heaven is ready for you. Because God's son, Jesus, went and prepared a place for you. And I just want to share these points with you. The first thing is that God wants us to know is that he wants us to know his peace. We live in a world that is lacking in peace. The reason that we lack peace is because actually we've messed this world up that God gave us. But the Bible teaches us that God wants us to live in peace. I think one of the young ladies, see everybody's young compared to me, one of the young ladies that was leading this morning spoke about, I think she spoke about, you know, people come, becoming stressed. But God has promised to give us peace. Listen to what the word of God says. In me, you can have perfect peace. If I was to ask you to put your hand up this morning, who wants perfect peace? I'd stick both hands up. In me, he says, you can have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you shall have tribulation. I'll stop there for a second. You know, I don't know how many of you got tax calendars at home. In my home, we used to have a thing called the Gospel Gems. Anybody remember that? Gospel Gems. And you could go to it and you could read you know, a verse for the day. And when you read a verse for the day, sometimes it would speak things into your life that blessed you. Other times you weren't quite certain what it was saying. And I can remember one day looking at the Gospel of Gems and it says, in the world you will have tribulation. That was on the text calendar. 
you don't often find that on text calendars, do you? you don't, because we, we, we have the promises of God on text calendars, the things that encourage us. But do you know something? It's as much the word of God as any word that tells us is going to bless us. In the world, you will have tribulation. But listen to what it says in other versions. Trials, distresses, sorrows, frustrations. You still want to join the Christian church? In the world, you'll have tribulation. Distresses, sorrows, frustrations. But be of good cheer, take heart, take courage, be confident. I have overcome the world. I've deprived it of its power to harm you. I have conquered it for you. That's the promise of God. That's what God wants for our lives. So the fact that there are difficulties that come to us, and I could give you my testimony of hundreds of difficulties that I've gone through in my life. Let me just tell you one, and please don't think that I'm being critical when I say this. In the church I pastored for about 46 years, it was always the intention of the leadership that I would stay in the church when I retired and would be sent out from the church. When the new man came to take over, it became clear that I was receiving the left boot of fellowship. Goodbye, farewell, Alveda Zane, whatever you say. And I told them this morning in the early of me, when I left the church, and it was very clear that I couldn't stay, when I left the church, I thought to myself, that's the end of my ministry. But you know, God has other ideas. Whenever we come to the end of something, we, become, we, we come to the beginning of something new. And you know, for us, some of you, uh, as I say, much younger than me, but some of you are getting older, and you think to yourself, maybe it's time for me to step back and let everybody else do it. No, no, no. It's never time to step back. It's always time to step forward in God and produce what God has put you on earth to produce. And so the afternoon that I kind of said goodbye to my church, they gave me a glass vase. I've still got it somewhere at home. And, um, you know, very good at them with their name on it. But the fact was, I get home and I'm sitting there and I'm feeling depressed, unwanted, unloved. And the phone rang. And when the phone rang, I, pack, I picked it up and it was uh, somebody that, that leads a good number of churches. And he said, Alan, I need to see you today. So I go and see this man and he describes all the problems that's going on in a particular church. Doesn't matter which of churches. And he said, I want you to go and be pastoral overseer to that church. It was the same day as I left. And he, I said, well, okay, I know where the church is. It's four hours away on the train. And so I said, I need to pray about it. And I spent time praying about it. And you know, when you pray, you don't, always, you don't always do what God wants you to do. And my thought was, I don't want to travel four hours once a month down to this place and be available to them. You know, lots of churches around me. And so I arranged to say no. And I told my wife, I'm going to say no. And the phone rang a few days later and he said, Alan, have you prayed about it? I said, yes, I have. What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I thought, who said that? And my wife was nudging me. 
And she was saying to me, hold on a minute, you said you weren't going to do it. And I said, that's right, I wasn't going to do it, but God put the word yes in my mouth. And I said, I'll do it for a year, I'm now coming into the end of my fifth year. I'm also looking after several other churches. See, God has the best for his children, and he takes us through times of stress, Times of problems when things happen that somehow we think that God may be against us, but God is always for us and his will is always perfect. So let me leave you with that. What's it say? He says he's deprived Satan of his power. And so you can have perfect peace in Christ. Second thing, and I'm looking at the clock because I don't want to be too long. Second thing is, He wants us to know joy in the midst of trials. Do you know, I have learned more through trials than I have when I've been bouncing around. I want to tell you a story very quickly, if I can do this. Years ago, it was 27 years ago, my wife and I spent the day in Albania. Now, I had no idea what God had taken us to Albania for for the day. We were in Corfu, it's about a mile and a quarter away, so we go to Albania. And you know what ladies are like? You can't persuade them if they're already persuaded. And so on the way back from Albania, my wife said to me, we've got to go back. The sea was up and down and rough, and I hate traveling in, in the sea. I'd rather go by air. And I said to her, darling, why on earth would we want to go back there? It was one of the poorest countries, if not the poorest country in Europe. There was nothing there. They told us to go shopping in the afternoon, and all there were were a few booths no bigger than this. Some had butter in them that was melting onto the counter. Some had meat on them that had more flies than meat. And it was a terrible place. So when we get back home, now my wife was 55. Ladies, you are wonderful. Much better than the men because she got much more faith to believe. And at 55, she said to me, I'm going to learn to speak Albanian. The only language she spoke, apart from English and tongues, was that she spoke supposedly French. But when we went to France, she never used it. Because she was embarrassed. Anyway, for the next six months, eight months, something like that, we had burnt dinners every day. In fact, I said to someone this morning, my daughter's put up a sign saying, uh, if you can't smell burning today, it's because it's salad. And she learned to speak Albanian. She learned to read and write. She reads and writes fluently. And God began to take us back to Albania and into churches in Albania. And suddenly I woke up to the fact that this was what God had planned for us. I didn't want to go there. But now I just love Albania as much as my wife loves it as long as I don't have to go on the boat as long as I fly But in Albania, this is God, you see, his forward thinking. In Albania, there was a girl, she was in probably about 28, 30. If you've ever been to Eric Delves, what do they call it, camp that used to be on, like Detling, then you you may have known, you may have met this couple. They were Albanians. He was a pastor and she was the pastor's wife. She never said anything. It was only the pastor that spoke. Maybe when they got home she said things, but not publicly. The only time I ever heard her speak publicly was when she was interpreting. 
So there in Albania, suddenly they are in what's called blood feud. Now, I don't have to uh, have time to explain that, but his life was under threat from being shot. And for a while, he couldn't go to church. And then one day, God spoke to him and said, listen, I want you to continue to pastor the church. So he starts to go to church. Everybody says he's crazy. Why? Because in Albania, if they decide to shoot you, they normally win. And so Tani was going to church on a Sunday and other times in the church. And I spent two weeks with him and his wife traveling around Albania preaching places. And on the very last day, I don't know why I'm telling you this because it wasn't in my message, but on the very last day, we said goodbye to him. He left us at the airport. And I said to Tani, you must see your children tonight. Kept saying it to you, you must see your children tonight, you must see your children tonight. He gets home and says to Alona, we'll see them tomorrow. And she said, no, 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 Alan said you must see them tonight. So he goes and sees his children that are staying at his parents' house. Bring them home, he takes them to school next morning. He leaves the church office and walks to his car and somebody has smashed his windscreen. While he's asking someone, who smashed my windscreen? A man came up behind him and said, are you Tanny Proy? And he said, yes, bang, bang, bang. Seven bullets were put into him. And there he laid in the doorway of a, a bar, dead. Why did I tell you that? I tell you that because in the midst of difficulties and sorrows, God has a plan. When things don't go right, God has a plan. Alona was left with two small children. I don't know how old they were now. I think one was eight and one was five. She was only just coming up to her 30s. And she phoned me up. I just got home uh, that morning and, and she phoned me up and she was crying and, and screaming down the phone that Tanny had been shot dead. I went over there soon afterwards and was asked to speak in their church. Now remember, what did I read it says he wants us to know joy in the midst of trial. How can you know joy when your husband's been shot dead in his early 30s? And there was a loner in the church. She'd never spoken in the church before. And uh, she, as I say, she didn't preach generally. But she was sitting by the back of the church and they only had young people. Nobody was above 30. They're all young people. And I'm preaching in the church now. I tell you, never argue with God because he knows what he's doing. And so as I was preaching, as I don't know why I'm telling you this, but it just seems right. As I was preaching, the Lord kept saying to me, Alan, I want you to bring a loner forward and I want you to pray for her. She's going to take over leading the church. I said, Lord, I can't do that. I don't believe in women's leadership. At that time, I didn't. <gasps> and I kept, I'm preaching still, and I'm arguing with God, I can't do that. And about five times, the Lord said to me, I want you to bring her forward and pray for her. She's going to lead the church. And the last time I said, I can't do that, God said this to me, if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, I will remove you. Now, I didn't know what he meant by that, but it scared me enough to know that I wasn't going to argue. And so at the end of the service, I said, I want a loner to come forward, and we brought some of the young people forward, and we surrounded, and we began to pray for her. Now, to cut a very long story short, 
she now has been leading the church for the last, I think it's eight or nine years, and the church has mushroomed. When you go, the joy of the Lord is there. When you go, there's such a presence of God. They've seen so many people saved, and every time I go there, we baptize loads of people in the sea because they don't have a baptistry in their church. You know, God did a wonderful thing. You see, in the midst of sorrow, God brings joy. And we need always to look beyond the things that we go through to know that what God wants for us is to know joy. Now, do I believe that God uh, killed Tanya? No, of course I don't. I believe that Satan was out to destroy him. But God looked down the road. And he saw what was coming and he prepared a place. When, when we'd finished, there were pastors in Albania who said to me, well, we wouldn't even travel in the car with him. We couldn't understand you traveling in the car with him because we were afraid of getting shot. I said, I didn't know. <laughs> but thank you for telling me. You see, in the midst of all this, God is in control. Okay, let's go on very quickly. Uh, don't forget, Paul, when time's up. Okay. He knows what I mean by that. Listen to what it says. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let it have its work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in, in nothing. Another translation says, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. I don't meet many Christians that when they're in trouble consider it an opportunity for great joy. I hope you do. Because we should. Because God is in control. Listen, to, read it, the, the, the final bit. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete or mature, needing nothing. I want to tell you something. Satan wants to discourage every believer. We live in a world where believers could be on the back foot because of all the oppression that is going on. We are told what we can believe today. Do you know what I believe? I believe what this says what the word of God says. And they can take me to prison, feed me three meals a day, give me a television without any license, <laughs> and a nice bed, and I shall still believe what it says in here. Who was it said, why don't we alter things and put all the old people in prison? They would have three meals a day, it would be warm, they'd have free television and all of that, leave the prisoners outside because we lock the old people in and so they'd be safe. I think that's a great idea. You don't, obviously. So, what does it say? It says, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. He comes constantly, he's on the move, seeking to put one over on God's children. But listen, it says this, I came that you might have life. And Jesus came and he dwells with us that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Okay. He also wants us to know that inside of us there is treasure. 
Have you looked at yourself in the mirror recently? When I was younger, I used to look at myself in the mirror and used to think, hmm, well, I'm not very handsome, but I'll do. Now I look in the mirror and I think, who's that guy looking back at me? Because I don't recognise him. Lines, old age, all those things. My wife will sometimes say, oh, you know, I put on a bit of weight, she's 75, uh, and all this kind of stuff. But God doesn't look on the outward appearance, he looks on the heart. And it says this, we have treasure within. You know, sometimes we think, oh, we're not much good at anything. Let me quickly tell you, I was born in Dagnum in Essex. Anybody heard of Dagnum in Essex? They make full cars there. My parents were both Christians and we were very poor. When my father was growing up he used to share his shoes with his brother and one would go with shoes on one day and he would go another day. We were poor. We didn't know what it was to have money. We never went on holiday or anything. Please don't say, oh. I was happy. We were happy. We were a happy family. Why? Because we knew God. And for all of that, you know, I grew up, my dad was a bit of a joker, uh, and he used to read my report at the end of term. Am I okay for a few moments? He used to read my report at the end of term, and he would gradually shake his head. And then he'd look over the top of my report, and he'd say, son, you were behind the door when the brains were given out. Later I discovered there's a lot of other people behind the door with me so I could have fellowship. But the fact was I grew up believing I wasn't going to make anything of myself. And I haven't really because all I've become is a pastor. (laughs) And a church leader, you know. And I preach. But you see, it's not because of me. It's because of him. We can be what God wants us to be. I never wanted to be the Archbishop of Canterbury, which is good because I'm not ever likely to be the Archbishop of Canterbury. I want to be what God wants me to be. What am I? I'm a simple man that believes the Bible, that thinks God is real. He speaks to me constantly. He looks after me. I shared again this morning. When I left my job as a, as a, um, a director of a travel agency and came out uh, to look after the church, the Lord said to me this, I don't want you to be paid. Now, I don't know how many people take a job where they don't want to be paid, but the Lord said, I don't want you to take a salary. Now, please, I said this morning, don't stop your, your, your vicar's salary because it was only for me. Don't speak that way to everybody. It's a fearful thing, mind you. And so when I left my job, I had no visible means of support. I did tell him this morning I'd saved up £500 and that went in the first three months and then God began to provide. I could tell you hundreds of stories of God's miraculous provision. Let me tell you quickly, I have never ever asked anybody for money because God said, "Uh uh-uh, don't do that. Don't send out prayer letters. Now, prayer letters are fine, but don't send out prayer letters that say on the bottom, if you want this ministry to continue, give 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. You mustn't do that. You must never tell anybody you need. And I'll quickly tell you, I was in American ministry, and a millionaire I was staying with said to me, Brother Alan, tell me what your needs are. And I said, Ken, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. Why not? I said, because God told me I can't do that. And I had a feeling that he was going to write a big fat check. But I couldn't tell him. Do you know how much he gave me? 
Zilch. But I felt blessed because I'd been obedient to God. Now, I'm not trying to look as if I'm boasting. I'm not. I'd just seen the provision of God day after day. My, my children's cat got run over in the road. And it broke its back and I thought, right, we'll have to put the thing down. And the vet said, no, you know, we can mend it. How much is it going to cost? 60 pounds and 60 pounds was a lot of money. Within a few minutes, we prayed with the kids and I thought, we'll pray, Lord, provide the money or we'll have to put the cat down. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, we'll have to put the cat down. Man came along our path, put an envelope through the door. I went to the door, I looked at this envelope and I thought, well, what's this? I opened it and do you know how much was in there? 60 pounds. I rang the young man and I said, why did you put this through my door? He said, I don't know, I was out working, he was a surveyor and God said, Alan and Roz need 60 pounds and they need it now. Now I stood there with that 60 pounds in my hand and guess what I thought? What could I do with his 60 pounds and a dead cat. (laughs) But we paid to have the cat repaired. See, before you call, God answers. I said this morning, when I left my church, uh, some of them supported me and I knew that all the support would finish because the new guy coming in was going to be getting mega bucks and what have you. And so I knew the support would finish and I said to the Lord, Lord, I need to know that you're going to take care of Ros and I. Why am I telling you all this? Didn't intend to. You, uh, Lord, I need to know that. And I said, Lord, if you just give 10 pounds from, you know, unexpectedly, we'll trust you for the rest of our lives because we get a pension and Ros gets half a pension. And so I said, Lord, just 10 pounds will convince me that you're going to take care of me. And I was preaching in the church and then I sat down and we stood up for the last hymn and I picked up my Bible and my phone and there stuck on my chair was a 10 pound note. Was it a coincidence? Did it fall out of my pocket? No, it didn't fall out of my pocket because I make sure that my money stays in my pocket. I don't know where it came from. All I knew was that God said, here, I'm going to provide for me. And that was six years ago and he's continually providing. Does it mean that we have an abundance all the time? No. On occasions we've licked the ice off the bottom of the freezer. But God arrives on the scene. What does it say that I read here? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Folks, we have to start learning what's within us. We have the spirit of the living God within our lives. We have this treasure. And what God wants to do is to reveal the treasure and not reveal us because the treasure's within. I'm going to finish now, but I want to finish with these words. We are not yet, sorry, we are not who we were. We are not yet who we will be, but the day is coming when we will be what we should be. Let me read that again. We're not who we were. We're not yet who we will be, but one day or the day is coming when we will be what we should be. Why? Because God is changing us from one degree of glory to another. 
I want to finish by saying to the church here, and it's been lovely to be with the dear people of God, we are on a battleship, not cruise ship. That's why you're praying for your community. They need Jesus. And to do that, we have to go into battle. And the first place we have to do it is battle in the heavenlies, in prayer. Prayer will break through in this area. So we're not on a cruise ship, we're on a battleship. We need to stand strong and not to waver. And lastly, I wrote in my notes this, and I only wrote a few notes. Don't follow the crowd. Follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for these dear folk. Lord, for the hunger that they have for you, for the hunger they have for the word of God. Lord, I want to pray, Lord, for my brother and his wife who are leading the fellowship here. Father, will you continue to bless them, encourage them day after day after day. Lord, it isn't easy leading your people Moses certainly knew that. And Father, I pray that you will strengthen them with the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for the rest of the leadership team, for the musicians. Lord, thank you for their sensitivity to the Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you will continue to use them to bring heaven down in these services. And then, Father, I want to pray for the whole of this congregation. Lord, you have made us salt and light in the earth. Father, will you bless these folk? And Lord, I pray that you will bless them abundantly. Lord, give them all that they need to serve you. And Lord, keep them focused on what is important to you. Lord, before their eyes, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to hand back to your vicar now, but if anybody needs prayer afterwards, and the vicar's quite happy for that, then I'll be over in the corner. God bless you.